Afternoons with Pepper Hudson. Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk, featuring Wendy Nola. It's a great pleasure to welcome back our consumer watchdog, Wendy Nola, who is joining us from a studio in Durban today. As always, great to have you with us, Wendy. Thanks, Pippa. Hi. Today we're asking who's messing with your mozzarella. We're going to find out just how cheesy that cheese on your pizza actually is or maybe isn't. Uh, And then just a reminder that after half past one, it's an open line where you can phone in with any consumer query. The number to dial is 021-446-0567. Right, Wendy, in order to understand today's story about fake cheese or semi-fake cheese, we need to first understand a little bit about the economic pressures on the dairy industry and some of the factors that are driving costs up. I mean, we all know the price of dairy has skyrocketed, particularly the price of butter and particularly the price of butter and cream. Can you talk to us a bit about the reasons for that? Okay, so there have been recent studies which have cast massive doubt on the earlier claimed link between butter and cardiovascular disease, and that's led to a swing away from margin back to butter. Mm-hmm. In South Africa, we have the Banting Brigade to thank for the even big, bigger swing away from low-fat diets to full-fat or even double-fat products. So there's a huge demand for cream, much bigger than before, and that's what butter is. It's, it's churned cream. Um, and then, of course, when there was a big demand for low-fat products, the cream which was skimmed off that went to make butter. It was a lovely um, setup for the for the dairy industry. Yeah. But now there's less of that cream going sort of spare now. Um, and then, of course, adding to these factors of supply and demand, there's been weather issues. So the weather in various dairy-producing regions around the world, including New Zealand, hasn't been all that great, which negatively affects production, and so the knock-on happens. Yeah. And... Um, Apparently, I spoke to a dairy farmer some months ago, and he said, um, in terms of longer-term economic pressure, the dairy industry was hit globally. Um, you know, It hit hard times about 13 years ago due to massive oversupply, which mm-hmm. led to a dramatic drop in prices, which then led to a shrinkage in supply. And now you know, it's not all that quick or easy to then just get it back to what it needs to be, um, or what it was before. You, it takes time to build up the dairy herds with the right kind of cows, etc. So it's it's a, it's a perfect storm, really. Yeah. And that's why you want to pass out at the fridges and pick and pay or checkers when you look at, you know, now the special prices are sort of sixty rand for five hundred that five hundred gram brick, and you want to go to special? <laughs> special is that? Listen, you know? I saw butter at fifty two rand a brick last weekend, and I was tempted to buy the whole shelf. Went to stockpile, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but of course, yeah. um, I mean, there's a bigger knock on effect here, Wendy. So when a product becomes the sort of premium uh, in terms of pricing, um, inevitably somebody looks for for a loophole and some way to to, to squeeze a little bit extra out of the story or yeah. substitute something with something else. And that brings us to uh, today's story of the cheese. So someone trying to find a way to keep the product acceptable to consumers, uh, but maybe supplied at a cheaper price or, 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 or be able to create it at a cheaper price, more importantly. So, I mean, anecdotally, I know that I'm paying a lot more for butter than I used to, but you've actually done mm. some price tracking, Wendy, and, and have the actual well, comparison for us. Yeah, it was a sort of accidental tracking. Actually, I was looking for a photo this week, and I came across a photograph. Um, I take lots of photographs in, in stores and shelves and whatever, and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd taken a photograph of a 500 uh, brick of Crystal Valley butter, that's ShopRite's private label, in April of 2013, and the price was 22.99. Let's call it 23 rand, sure. right? So that's <laughs> five years ago. I remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now fast forward five years, and 500 grams of Crystal Valley butter is 50 rand, but that's not the whole story. It's 
and this was the price this week in checkers. Mm-hmm. It's called Easy Spread Modified Crystal Valley Butter. So less than half of it is is butter fat. So in sure. five years, using this case, we're paying more than double the price for less than half the butter. I'm stunned because I actually Which buy that I buy that brand quite regularly, and I've never I'm, I'm I'm breaking my own rules here, Wendy. I've never looked that closely at the label and noticed that it's not well, 100% you, you, butter. You would notice this particular one because it's in a tub. So, okay. you know, Butro came out with it first. So the, some but not all of these modified butter, in other words, they've added a lot of um, vegetable fat in order to bring the price down and kind of sort of maybe keep the taste. Um, the other thing is that you, if you are going to go that route because you just cannot afford the, the pure butter anymore, which is just 100% cream, um, do you look on the label, some declare and some don't, um, the ratio of butter to veg fat. So it's some yeah. are more buttery than others, let's just say. And if you if you're not sure then phone the manufacturer and actually ask. That's you know, that's what I would suggest. So at least you know what you're buying. You know what that what that um ratio is. Okay. Just to, to as a word of warning to 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 the listeners, Wendy, I mean there are lots of products affected in this way. You mentioned uh, earlier to me that ice cream is one of them, that what we're buying is ice cream in some cases doesn't even contain a drop of cream at all. Most of it in the supermarket fridges don't uh, don't contain any cream pepper. So what it is is it's, it's it is dairy, but it's a concoction of water, milk powder, and vegetable fat. So Ooh. not creamy. It might they might create um, some creaminess, but it's not coming from cream. And it is because of the cost of cream. Can you imagine? I mean, you do get those premium brands. Yeah. Um, normally, normally in the smaller one liter <laughs> tubs because it would be too expensive otherwise. And, and you can see the price differential. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a response to the market. So if you think about it, you know, most people would have to go without ice cream if they didn't have that form of ice cream on the shelves. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a bigger argument, but yes, as long as it's declared, yeah. as long as it's declared on, on, on the label, um, it's fine. But of course, if you go to a restaurant and you order something with ice cream, they're very unlikely to tell you that it's, um, it's not actually, you know, not containing any cream. Yes, it's yeah. not, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. The other one yeah. to look at, just to mention, is the yogurt tubs. Because, Wendy, again, I was completely unaware of, of the need to pay attention to the yogurt tubs, that some of them yes. are now being marketed uh, as yogurt-based dairy snacks rather than just plain yogurt. What's yeah. going on there? I must admit it was a, it was a reader or a listener, I get confused between the audience, <laughs> that actually sent me an email um, about this. Um, Danone and, and Clover are doing it, yogurt-based dairy snacks. So knowing a little about what – knowing a little – as I do about regulations that told me that if there, there's a regulation for the percentage of um, protein uh, yeah. for yogurt, that it was they had lowered the dairy content to the point that um, it didn't meet the definition of yogurt anymore. So I took it up with uh, Clover, and I got a very long, comprehensive response, which uh, ran to a couple of pages. So I'm not going to do the whole thing, but just to paraphrase, the new formulation they've created is creamier than the one they had before, albeit slightly less actual milk, um, but it still has its gut-friendly cultures. It's fortified with micronutrients, which the South African population apparently lacks in general, and it's just 0.2 grams short of protein for the qualification of um, the yogurt description. So they're saying it's a trade-off because South Africans generally are not short of macronutrients, we're short of micronutrients. But it's yeah. essentially this innovation, this this 
food science response to the price of dairy um, and creating a product that they say is is just as nutritious and with the added benefit, it's, it was born out of the rising cost of dairy. Okay. So we're going to be seeing more of this, I think. Um, more uh, of the industry responding to this issue with various products. Okay, so read your labels more carefully than than ever before. Now, before we Mm. get to the cheese, there's an interesting email in from Marie in Betty's Bay who tells me that her daughter-in-law buys a litre of cream at a factory shop in the Tableview area. She pays 38 rand a litre and she makes her own butter. Yes. Uh, If you've got the uh, the elbow grease to do it, I say good luck, Marie. That's brilliant. I mean, that's one way of doing it is to to buy the raw raw materials and make it yourself. Uh, I don't know if everybody has the recipe, the strength or the time to do that, though. I could pass on a few ideas because um, every time I talk about the price of butter, there's always this response that people say, I buy it from here. Um, At times, the cream price is so high that people reckon it's really not worth their while and the the energy as well Mm -hmm. to do it themselves. But they... But if you if you find it at the right price and it's um, convenient for you and you have the time and the inclination, why not? Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely, Marie. Well done to her. Uh, thanks for your email. Now, okay, let's talk about the cheese, Wendy, because you caught wind of the fact that it's uh, the cheese is not as cheesy as it used to be, uh, particularly the mozzarella going onto our pizzas. Yeah, particularly the mozzarella. Um, once I got that um, tip off, I did a bit of googling as one does, and I found that um, this. Messing with, to use a loose term, with mozzarella is happening in quite a few markets. So in 2014, food sampling across food, fast food outlets in Lancashire in the UK found that 19 out of 20 uh, samples of pizza were found to contain what is called in, in, in the EU analog cheese, which is an artificial form of cheese made with vegetable fat rather than dairy because it's cheaper. Analog cheese. And then I got this tip off that a cheese-making company in KZN was making a form of mozzarella for commercial pizzas. Itaguini cheese of Belito calls it Capri mozzarella, and it's a grated blend of 50% dairy mozzarella, so the real stuff, um, well, as real as it can be without being buffalo mozzarella. Yeah. And, and so this 50% dairy blended with 50% imitation cheese made with vegetable fat, um, usually palm or coconut oil. And they put the two together in a grated form and they supply it to distributors rather than directly to um, pizza outlets. So I asked the MD, Simon Cox, about the disclosure issue. I said, given that consumers would assume that the mozzarella on their pizza was all dairy, uh, and he's told otherwise, how does the disclosure work? And he said, every single bag of Capri, Capri mozzarella that leaves our factory does so clearly labeled in accordance with SA food regulation. And he said it was up to the suppliers down the line to disclose to consumers. And fair enough, if you don't have a direct uh, link with the customer. With yeah. Cons- yeah, so that's how it should work. Okay, so um, fair enough. I'm still stuck on the analog cheese. I'm wondering then if the full cream stuff is is digital cheese, Wendy. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> I did wonder about that yeah. too as well. Okay, yeah. but I mean, the, the, okay, the million dollar question then is: okay, so so Capri Mozzarella se- sells it to their distributor. The distributor then uh, passes it down the chain to the consumer. Are those suppliers telling the customers that it is semi cheese, or uh, and who are they? Which outlets are using it? Okay, so I, I suspect they aren't, um, and I tried very hard to find out where it's la- which pizzas it's landing on. Mm. Uh, this Capri mozzarella, the hybrid mozzarella. So I, I started by obviously asking um, Itaguini Cheese, the the manufacturers, who they're supplying, um, and I was told it was a little unreasonable of me to expect them to furnish. Um, 
his customer with list. His customer list. Yeah. He said, "Yeah, that's confidential information." And I, I get that. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, he also said that um, imitation cheese, you know, it's made with you know the usual very high standards and quality and whatever, and it and it's the same nutrition and it shouldn't be demonized um, as it's a way of making pizza affordable for the masses. In much the same way as we discussed just now, that ice cream is made affordable by being um, not made with cream anymore. Yeah. So, incidentally, its legal definition in South Africa is mozzarella imitation. Okay. It's called cheese substitute in the U.S. and it's called cheese analog or analog cheese in Europe. Um, he said, Simon Cox, MD of Etagwini Cheese, it's no different from burger chains using processed cheese in their burgers and not disclosing it. Mm. Which is debatable, I think. I think so too. I mean, I think you say the words processed cheese. I imagine those those very glossy, shiny, square, pre-sliced stuff that you buy that is very obviously not the real thing. Um, but but I, I wouldn't for a second question mozzarella in the same way that I would question whether that is real cheese. No, and I think I think you know most people would most South African consumers at least would would agree. You just not we not we don't go and buy. Imitation or half real, half imitation mozzarella in the supermarket. It's not something that we've been, ever been exposed to. Yeah. So. Okay. Right, so so. You, you've, you've done a lot of digging this week, I know, to, to phone have. all the big brands and find out who's using it and who's not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lots so what do you find? Lots of emails and lots of phone calls later. <laughs> I have to admit defeat and, and tell you that all I can tell you is who is not using it. Well, that's a okay. good start. Okay. It is a start, I suppose. So. Pizza Hut says we used locally sourced cheese that is 100% dairy. Debonair's, which is part of the famous brand stable, said that they have their own cheese company, which uses only full uh, milk as a raw material for the manufacturing of their mozzarella cheese. No imitation analog or cheese substitutions are used in the manufacturing of the mozzarella cheese used on Debonair's pizza. I then went to Taste Holdings, who have Bongos. Gusto and Domino's Pizza. We use real mozzarella made with only cow's milk, I was told, cheese cultures and enzymes. We are aware of the existence of analog cheese and analog cheese mixes in our market, um, but we don't add any of it into our diced, shredded, or any other format of cheese that we produce. I went to Colcaccio, who didn't even, had never even heard of the concept of, of, of okay. <laughs> any kind of mozzarella, but the 100% dairy mozzarella that they grate themselves. And this was started to become the, the, the differentiator because within the real mozzarella stable, they, the pizza makers that uh, sort of are quite snobby about the, Already grated uh, yes. form that comes as to whether it comes to them in a loaf and they grate it themselves because the grate themselves is apparently the better way to do it. So Colcutcher says they grate it themselves. And then I went to Butler's, which I wish we had here in KZN. You do, yeah, they're the best. Um, <laughs> we only use 100% dairy mozzarella and exclusively only Bandini and Parmalat mozzarella loaves, which we grate daily ourselves um, from those loaves which means there's no wood pulp or cornstarch which acts as anti-caking agents and which is found in pre-grated pre mozzarellas, which isn't harmful, but it is nice to know that it's not included in with your butler, butler's pizza. Nice of them to grab themselves a little punt there. but I'm I happy to let the them question. do so because their pizza is so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, they fe featured on the show once before. Do you remember with that wedding fail story? Yes, uh, the the, they, they managed to, to come up with 60 pizzas in one hour, yes. if I remember correctly, to save the yes. wedding where the caterer uh, filched on them. It's a nice one. <laughs> yes, and many others, uh, other couples that 
she that that uh, wedding person let down. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to this week's show, I haven't yet had a response from Mimos or Panarotis, which is uh, Panarotis being part of the Spur Group. I sent them queries via their um, websites, and they haven't got back to me. I then asked because uh, Itagwini asked because uh, Itagwini Cheese said they supplied food distributors. I went to a very big one, which is Bid Food. To ask if if um, they bought this product and then distributed it on down the line, and they said no, it's not on their list. So um, I'm I'm sorry to admit a defeat. I haven't found out where this mozzarella is landing up um, yet. Because it is going big, somewhere. It's being it sold. So the big question is where to. And uh, we have such switched on connected listeners that I'm sure somebody's going to let us in on on what's going on, um, but. The outcome of this is to tell listeners that it is out there and maybe you want to ask questions about the mozzarella that you wouldn't have thought to ask before and thereby make informed choices about the pizzas that you are um, choosing to order in a restaurant or or buy takeaway. And at least we know which groups um, are not doing it. I believe, you know, because mozzarella makes up 60% of the cost of a pizza. So there's a big temptation for these manufacturers to, with the, Costs going through the roof to to put this cut um, some corners this, somewhere. This, yeah, cut some corners with the, with the their most exp, uh, expensive ingoing ingredient. So um, yeah, so so hats off to those that are that are still um, resisting and and using the hundred percent stuff. Um, but yeah, this is a story that I think is going to become a challenge for them as the prices. Um, Continue uh, to rise, escalate, yeah. and it's the, for me. It's about disclosure. It's fine. It's perfectly nutritious. It's not going. It's not harmful to health or whatever. But we need to know um, what what we are ordering, what we are paying for, and what we're eating. We have the right to know. Absolutely, Wendy, and thanks for the heads up on those other dairy products, which aren't also exactly what you might think they are. Appreciate that uh, uh, nod to us looking at our labels more closely. After the eyewitness news headlines with Wesley Peterson, we'll be back with our open line. You're welcome to phone us with any consumer query on o two. One four four six zero five six seven. Month. Consumer talk. Open line. Oh two one four four six oh five six seven is the number to dial if you've got a consumer question for Wendy Nola. You're also welcome to leave a voice note on oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Wendy, a couple of people um, speculating on the SMS line that perhaps the the frozen pizzas we buy uh, from the freezer section of the supermarkets might be where that. Fake cheese is ending up. Sue in Tableview saying maybe have a look at the frozen ones. Uh, Stone asking what about the ready-made ones we buy at Woolies, for example. They would have to be declared on the on the um, label then. You see, they have to be declared the, on the label. Yeah, absolutely. So the danger with stuff like this is when you order in a in, from a restaurant because it doesn't ordinarily come with um, ingredients lists as yeah. we do unpackaged stuff that we buy ourselves. So. So maybe we need to start looking at it and think of that because my tip-off said that it was going into, into the restaurant, the restaurant trade. takeaway. That might have been wrong. So um, I will have a look, but that's that's an easy one for us to sniff out. Yes, because you can pick it up and look at the label. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks for those SMSs, though. And uh, uh, please do start reading your labels if you don't already do so. And if anybody has a suspicion of where uh, the analog cheese is ending up, please just drop an email uh, to Wendy. It's consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Right, let's go to Victor on the line from Marina de Gama. Great to have you with us, Victor. Good afternoon. 
Victor, my apologies, I didn't push a button on my side. There we are. We've got you now. Okay, <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Thanks. Uh, well, um, congratulations. congratulations. Afternoon to uh, you and Wendy. Um, I've got a credit card with APSA. I've had it for five years. I'm in good standing with APSA. I've just reached the ripe old age of 70. And um, they've just told me that my credit life plan has now been cancelled because I've reached that ripe old age of 70. And I think that is a very anti-aging policy on their behalf. They've been quite happy to take my money thus far. And I, I don't see why they should stop me because I'm 70. I can see the sort of rationale, but um, they don't say it at the outset when you take out the policy. Is that common practice, Wendy, as far as you know? It is pretty common practice, but I do think these these figures should be adjusted. I mean, I have parents um, who are <laughs> much older than that, and um, they're still working and running their own business. And they, I mean, you can understand it. Um, from the lender's point of view or from a risk in terms of their age, but they can't borrow any money. They can't, you know, they can't expand. They can't do anything because even though they've got capital and whatever, nobody's actually interested. Um, and so they found that ages. But certainly at 70, I mean, the way you don't, you just have to do a little bit of reading to know that people are still, um, you know, physically active and, and active economically as, active in, in, in the economy, etc., sort of well into their 70s and 80s in many cases. And I think this is very sort of old 1970s type thinking that's, that's informing some of these policies still. Yeah, can, can I say, can yes. I say one more yes. thing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still working and I'm still physically okay, thank God. And uh, my mind is fine, but I, I do think, I mean, I know in Britain now the, the UK has, um, has stopped any anti-aging legislation. In fact, they don't force you to retire at the uh, age of 65 anymore. They can't. They're not allowed to. And, uh, you know, as I say, I think the banks here are a little bit stuck in uh, age-old uh, uh, thinking. The other, the other thing is, Wendy, um, Lindt chocolate, I noticed they don't have any nutrition information on the back. Uh, you know, South African legislation requires that. And I was looking at the GI and carbohydrate levels and sugar levels, and there was no information on the back of the lint chocolate. Looks like it's imported. That's, that's interesting. Was it a slab or a box that you're talking about? It was Peter? a slab, and it was a lime-flavored chocolate, which I saw on the shelf at Pick and Pay in Rondebosch. Victor, I'll thanks for the tip. Up. Thank you, Victor. I'll find it because, I mean, if they, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If they're in this market, they need to comply with our with our regulations. regulations. Yeah. Yeah. Victor, thanks yeah. for the tip off. One for you to look into there, Wendy. And uh, uh, just saying that if you get a box of lint chocolate as an oopsie, sorry, we made wrong. You know where to share it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm only kidding. All right. Let's go to Johan, who's on the line from Mitchell's Plain. Good afternoon. Hi, Papa. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Wendy. Um, uh, question I, I would like to ask... Um, I've just been to um, a few weeks ago to a flea market uh, that, at uh, Musenberg. And um, what I discovered there is that they, the people are selling certain stuff with expiry dates. Is, this, is there any scrutiny on these people? Um, you know, is it legal what they are doing? Okay. That's a very interesting question, Johan. Um, in short... And we've discussed this on a show, I think, Pippa, mm. um, in the past. So um, there are two different kinds of what the regulations call date marks. So the one ref uh, um, is um, binding on uh, mostly perishable foods that would be a use-by date. So it's very specific on meat and dairy and things that are, are, have a short shelf life and are perishable. Um, and you shouldn't, it shouldn't be sold. Um, after that date, sometimes the stores introduce a sell-by, which is for their own stock-keeping um, 
uh, imperatives and then you've got another few days before the use buy to use it. And it's illegal to sell or even give away products that's past its use buy, right? But then you have a huge volume of products which um, have a long shelf life, so biscuits and flour and all sorts of things like that, that has a best before. And that is unlike the use by, it's not about safety, that is about quality. So the biscuits are not going to be at pose at health risk at all. They just might not be quite as crisp or have quite the intensity of flavor that they would have had before that best before date. But um, they're still perfectly um, good to consume. And, as, and it's, it's completely legal to, to um, continue to sell those products. And, in fact, there's a global move towards saying that um, those best before dates should actually be removed because um, it's contributing to the massive amount of food waste um, that's, that's happening. And in, in like the U.S., it's a third of food that's produced that is wasted, which is horrific. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm actually all for the secondary market of um, food that has reached its best before date, but still perfectly nutritious and and good to consume, being sold on rather than being wasted. I- ideally, should be at a cheaper price, Johan, because obviously best before it's not at its prime, um, so the consumer should benefit from the lower price. But I think far better to to force for it to be bought well, and consumed than wasted. Be- because I was actually shocked there was stuff. Uh, that I, for, I fell into the trap not looking uh, at the back on uh, the best before date. And I bought uh, like the whole um, sweets and it was dated. When I got home, I saw it was dated 2017. Mm. Yeah, now something like, I mean, sugar, sugar itself doesn't have a, um, it, it doesn't go off. I mean, like honey, it can just last for generations <laughs> yeah. pretty much. So the, the, the question to you is, was that were those sweets quite a bit cheaper than they would have been if you'd gone to? Yeah, no, it, it was very cheap. Supermarket. <laughs> there was, you go. So you yeah. actually got a yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, the yeah. thing is, though, they they should ideally say um, expired, but because there is a um, a lot of misperception around so-called expired foods. I mean, they're not actually expired. They just slightly past their best before, but still perfect, especially at a product like a sweet that's going to, you know, that's going to be absolutely fine. I mean, the paper might stick a little bit more to the sweet than it would if, you know, it was um, freshly manufactured, but you're going to have the same end experience out of the product, I would dare say. Have you eaten one yet, Johan? Uh, And you know what I did? You know what I did because I was concerned about the date, I threw it away. I bought three packs. I took three three packs of three and I... I threw it away because I was concerned. 2017 seemed to be a long time. You see, you know? this is an exact, this is a wonderful case study, Pippa, yeah. on what's wrong with best before dates and why one of the stores in the, in the UK has actually just banned them. I think it might have been Tesco um, for that very reason because there's a huge global swing towards, towards anti-food waste going okay. on. And you'll see it filtering down into our market um, quite soon, I predict. But, but, but uh, the, the consumer... The, the average consumer does, is very confused about that. The word expiry kind is of part of the problem. Shapes yeah. their, yes. It's actually not an expiry date. The word expiry doesn't even appear in the regulations. It's a date mark, and it's either a use by, which is very specific, and do not ignore that, yeah. or it's a best before, which is which is actually quite fluid. And in many, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that companies actually um, make it too conservative so that you then throw out and buy some more. And buy a new one, yeah. Yes. 
So, um, yeah, I, I, I've, I'm quite passionate about this subject. And um, Johan's uh, story will, you know, is, is why. Yeah. Unnecessary wastage because people get alarmed. They think it's a, alarmed. they think it's a, I think it's, they think it's a, a, a safety issue. So use buyers about safety, best buyers about quality. It's not yeah. going to harm you. Okay. Johan, I'm sorry that you've learned the hard way in this case. And, and next time perhaps worth opening the bag and trying one before you make the decision to throw them, throw them away within reason. A, a lot of it comes down to common sense, Wendy. Uh, yeah, eyes and nose and yeah. touch and whatever. If it smells yeah. off, if it makes a hiss when you open it, uh, things like that, you know it belongs in the bin. But, uh, uh, but sometimes, conversely, yeah. so I have to say for safety reasons, the food scientists will tell you when it comes to use by dates, always adhere to those because sometimes there can be pathogens and microorganisms in there that can harm you that you won't necessarily smell or see or feel. Okay. So always go by the use by date, which is why it's illegal to to, to um, donate or sell or anything, those. But the best buy is a completely different kettle of fish. Okay, oh, Johan, fish. thank kettle you so much. <laughs> Box of biscuits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I've got to say a big thank you to Sandy. Firstly, thanks for your lovely message, Sandy. It's greatly appreciated. But thank you for the SMS explaining about the Lindt chocolate. She's taken the investigation away from you, Wendy. Uh, as a point okay. of interest, Sandy says Lindt chocolate does have ingredient information on its chocolates. As a vegan and a chocoholic, I always check. And your caller just isn't looking in the right place. There is a fold at the back of the slab, oh, and on lifting it, voila, the ingredients Thank can you, be Sandy. found. I, I was quite surprised to hear that, especially as it's not made here. And overseas, my EU, they are even stricter than we are, and we, we, we get most of our our, our uh, the health department took its cue very much so from the, from the European Union regulations. So I was a little uh, surprised, surprised by, that, by yeah. that. Yeah. So okay. Thank you very much, Sandy, for clearing that up. And Victor, look for it. Uh, 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 fold at the back of the slab. Uh, you'll lift it. You'll find it next time. I'm sure you will buy it again. So there we go. Uh, right. Thanks for that feedback. And uh, thank you to an interesting comment on the SMS line. Someone saying, my husband has always worked in the food manufacturing industry since 1986. And some of those years were in the sweet manufacturing area. The good old years when some things were still handmade. It really irks him how recipes have changed so to keep the price is down. One of his yeah. gripes is, why do you need chocolate flavoring in a slab of chocolate? Whatever happened to the cocoa beans? Well, the price went up yeah. <laughs> dramatically. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah but I an mean, interesting if, comment. When, very interesting comment. I don't know if you've actually tried to buy plain old cocoa, Pippa. Not recently. for a long time. No, I haven't been wow. doing much baking. So <laughs> I'm old. Well, I I do, but I also I'm old school with hot chocolate. I yes. like. I don't like those mixes. There's just uh, it's very pricey for what you're actually getting. And so I just do the cocoa and as much sugar as I want and the hot milk, a bit of boiling water. Oh, my goodness. It's it's So that's what's happened. And all yep. the chocolate products will then kind of, yeah, what the same thing with, so you've got ch- cocoa and dairy with chocolate. You can see the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And nuts. Yeah. yeah. So you'll find the, the bars will be smaller, but not only that, the rest of the formulations themselves, so certain um, well-loved um, bars will have less uh, or fewer peanuts in them than and they, they used did to. before, just subtly. So it's not just the size; it's actually the quality of the product itself, and all sorts of products that has been subtly um, uh, downgraded to be cheaper for them to make. Yeah. To okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff has asked a question which I don't expect you to be able to answer off the top of your head, Wendy, but it might be something worth looking into. Jeff on the SMS line saying, couldn't Wendy know to please name which brands of ice cream are made with genuine dairy products and which are without pork fat? Um, uh, 
again, I don't, you, we didn't know that was coming, Jeff, so I haven't sent Wendy off to go and read labels of ice cream products, particularly for today. Um, but, but that issue of pork fat is one that, that I think would be, uh, would be something you must look on the label for, Jeff, because Wendy, that would have to be declared. Yeah, that would definitely have to be declared. Um, and there are a few, I mean, we have one, it's not going to help a lot. It might be, um, it might be in the Cape now. I know certainly Huberto's ice cream here in KZN is, is, is a well-known brand that, that is, that is proper dairy ice cream. Um, Woolworths, if I'm not mistaken, does have one variant that, that contains cream. And the, you, you can be sure they boast about it. I was going to say, it's a point now. of marketing you now don't have to, to be look real too dairy. Hard. Yeah. And you just, yeah, I mean, you could Google it. But on the point of, of pork fat, there's, there's so much, so many conspiracy theories around ice cream. And a few years ago, um, there was, I picked up on social media, I don't know how, that there was pork fat in soft serve because there's another situation where you don't, it doesn't come with a twirl of ingredients around the cone. Yes. Um, and so I actually, if you can picture the scene, I found a lab locally that tests, uh, that specialized in testing fat and different forms of fat and whatever. And I was running around. I had to do this whole elaborate um, cold storage sort of setup, mm. buying, going to Wimpy and going to wherever does these, has it, you know, these arbitrary little machines and shopping centers and whatever. And no, not a one, not a single, that's not a thing. Okay, well, that's that wasn't good to then. know. So that was... No. I mean, that would be, I mean, can you imagine? Um, no, and, I mean, and why? Yeah, for, for, I mean, for, for religious course, reasons, for health reasons. Anyway. Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, it just doesn't. It's one of those, that they, as if we don't have enough real things to worry about in this country. There are always those that will spread this alarmist stuff. Um, you know, to get us in a panic about things that don't exist. So, yeah. So I'm that was sure one of them. Okay. Where Jeff got pork fat from, but I know it's kind of a thing that is lurking there. One of those hoaxes that, that, that did yes. the rounds. Okay. Yes. Uh, good. So, Jeff, but uh, if you'd like to satisfy yourself, pick up the, pick up the product and read the label before you buy it is, is the bottom line. Now, I think very important add on, uh, Shaheen is on the line from Belhar and we were talking about expiry dates on food, but Shaheen, you want to talk about expiry dates on medicine, which is a different story entirely, isn't it? Good Afternoon. Yeah. Um, hello, Pippa. Can you hear me? Yes, I don't loud and clear. I just pulled off. Uh, uh, Pippa, there's a, there's a big difference between uh, expiry dates on medicine as compared to just simple sweets or sugars. Sure. Uh, in, in the case of medicines, um, the expiry date is highly critical and there is actually there should be zero tolerance. Um, when medicine are expired, um, their potency drops drastically after the expiry date. So very often, it's not the medicine which kills you, it's the, the, the disease which kills you because it's not knocking off the disease. And that is why there's a big difference between expiry dates uh, of, of different products. And I think patients should be aware um, and watch the expiry dates on medicines that they receive, and they should be more aware of, uh, of um expired medicines and, and take the necessary medicines back to the pharmacist and asking for replacement. Thank Shaheen, you. thank you very yes. much. And in fact, I'm going to ask my producer to take Shaheen's details because he sounds like the kind of pharmacist I'd like to get in for our health segment one day to talk about uh, consumer-related issues in the pharmacy industry. Shaheen, thank you for that call and a very important very point. point. Yeah. Yes, because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, and it's not about them harming you. It's about them not doing what, what they're meant to do. Wanting, 
Exactly. So, yeah. And I can, un- you know, people, we all have these medicine cabinets or drawers or whatever, and we sort of don't throw out stuff when we should. Um, and that's, yeah, as, as Shaheen says, zero tolerance. As with a use-by date on perishable food, zero tolerance with those dates. Just do not take, just throw it out. Okay. Shaheen, thank you so much for a very important call. Um, Daniel, I'll come to you in just a moment, but I just want to take one more call while we're talking about uh, fake food and related topics. Jenny in Tableview, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Papa, and good afternoon, Wendy. Very interesting program. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Wendy, do you want to do some study on the honey? The honey seems to be more like golden syrup. Well, a lot of the honey wow. is syrup that says flavored with honey, if you look at the label, Jenny. Um, I've, I know That's this because one. my mom got caught that way. She was taking a um, somewhere other concoction that required honey, and she, she said to me, this honey tastes like syrup. And we looked at the bottle, and sure enough, it was honey-flavored syrup that she'd bought. It had the nice bee on the label and the honeycomb on the label, uh, but it wasn't actually honey. Uh, Jenny, have you had that experience as well? I haven't, but my husband um, works for the breakfast every morning, and he says this honey is definitely not like it used to be. He's getting uh, a lot of though, those. Mm? Even though, sorry, we just lost Jenny there for okay, a second. Yeah. Uh, Wendy, you say you've had a lot of complaints about this. I have had quite a few, and I'm a I'm a honey. <laughs> Fanatic. Okay. Um, people come to dinner at my home. They don't bring me wine. They bring me <laughs> things of honey that they've bought and, um, on their travels or whatever. Um, so I last year the uh, University of Stellenbosch's food science department um, put out a press release saying that they had um, not developed but adapted a, a test um, for honey that um, was um, very quick and easy and sort of quite instant, where they could actually going on the cultivars. Of, um, it was essentially um, devised to ascertain whether honey was local or not because um, there's a lot of kickback against imported honey, especially from China, because they've had lots of scandals around their honey and the use of antibiotics and adulteration and everything else. And long story short, I bought about, I spoke to the professor involved and I said, I'd like to um, buy some, send you some samples of honey, um, mm-hmm. packs of honey that I suspect myself. Um, are not 100% um, honey um, and are certainly maybe not local when they're saying local on the label. And I couriered the whole lot, about 12 samples to the university. And unfortunately, I heard back that there'd been a snag with the apparatus or the what something had gone wrong and they're hoping to do it again. But rest assured, Jenny, this is a, a subject that is extremely dear to my heart. I know that testing for honey... Testing honey to see if it has been adulterated with sugar is a problem because scientifically honey is a form of sugar and it's very close and it's a very apparently difficult test to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone listening knows of a lab that does specialize this in this and has developed some way of saying for sure, I would really appreciate it. I will courier the samples wherever they are in the country. Um, because this is a story, as I say, um, you really don't need to work hard to get me interested in. So I would okay. like to come back to the subject. I have tried. I was so excited about the Stellenbosch University thing, but it it's, it, it was um, it unfortunately didn't happen. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's a work in progress. Okay. We do have a beekeeper on the line who also wants to respond to Jenny. Vincent in Musenberg, very quickly. Good afternoon. Hi. Um, the honey that we import from China has one-third honey, two-thirds corn syrup. 
the honey that's being imported from China. Okay. Are you yeah. saying that as a, every single drop of it? Yep, and it's, it's also brought in American fowl brew, which all our bee hives in, in the Cape have now. Yeah. I have heard that before, Vincent. Thank you. Uh, again, you've got to read the labels on uh, on what you're buying uh, in this that case. Would explain the, yeah. That would explain this, the, the sugar content. So according to the regulation, and there's a special regulation for honey, um, they have to declare the countries of origin or origins. And so you'll often find... Um, Argentina stroke China stroke whatever. Yes. Um, and that's because honey is so seasonal and ve- it varies and whatever. And so they allow for the, for the manufacturer, the, the label, the brand, not to print new labels for every batch. And that's why, because then people often will see tweeting. Well, so where this honey got an identity crisis? Crisis. Okay. That from? Makes, but yeah. as soon as I see ha- a China on a, on a, on a honey label, I, I just avoid it, and I tell everyone else the same. So well, Richard's saying the same. On, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we our local beekeepers only produce. Uh, I think I, I stand to be corrected. Um, I haven't got this, my story in front of me, but I think it's only about half of um, the the demand, local demand for honey. So we have to import. Um, I just, as a rule, won't buy anything imported, but that's because I have a thing about honey. But um, okay, well, Richard on the WhatsApp confirming, sorry, that uh, from China it is all sugar-fed and very cheap in at the port. So, uh, so be mindful of that. Uh, Wendy, sorry to cut you off. I do want to fit in Daniel, who's been waiting so yes. patiently on the line from uh, Durbanville with another question. Daniel, sorry to keep you holding so long. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Thanks for taking my call. I'll try and be quick. Um, I just want to find out from Wendy if my expectations are wrong. I bought an online. Two-pack item from Woolworths. Uh, when I received it, the description on the invoice was 100% correct, but the product was incorrect. But on closer looking at the, the label, the product number was correct on the label. I then went to a local Woolworths stores here, and I asked them to exchange the one single one for the right thermal. The other product was the thermal I was looking for, for sing, two single ones. They were prepared to do it, but only if I would pay the difference in the price of the two individual items. So they would reimburse me the price that I paid for the sale items, but they would not give me the two separate ones for the same price as what I paid for the one. And I'm just wondering if it's not uh, if my expectations are incorrect. Okay, that's that fairly sense? complicated, Daniel. Mm-hmm. But what you, if I hear you correctly, they're saying they will refund you what you paid, but you saying no. Actually, I want what the um, advertisement or what the display online said Correct. I was going to get. Quite um, right. Then, um, yeah, I think you would be within your rights, and I'm surprised that that retailer is not doing it because normally they they you know will go the extra mile for their customer, especially if there's a case like this, they will usually give the customer the benefit of the doubt. If you want to send that to me with um back it up with some picture you know imagery of what the offer was and what you got, I would be happy to to take that up for you, Daniel. Okay, so Daniel, what you need to do is uh, send an email to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, nola.co.za. Uh, just put in the subject line, Cape Talk Woolies Online Purchase, so that she knows to look out for it. And uh, um, perhaps she can help uh, yeah, get you some, uh, get you a satisfactory outcome. Let me say it, put it that way. A factory outcome, let me say it, put it that way. Uh, so Daniel, consumer at nola.co.za. And for anyone sending in a story for Wendy to work on, please do remember to put the words Cape Talk in the subject line as well as one or two words describing the nature of the problem that
that you're talking about. Uh, I've already got an offer from Tony uh, on our SMS line wanting to help with your honey samples, Wendy. So we'll pass that oh, along fantastic. to you. Fantastic. And you. Uh, um, Colleen also saying, I heard quite a long time ago that South African bees are not making enough honey, so it is being laced with syrup. Uh, so thank you for that feedback. And one last WhatsApp from someone who did an apprenticeship in 1975 at the Dairy Maid Ice Cream Factory and tells me then ice cream was made with real butter and sorbet was made with vegetable fat. Now the ice cream is also made with vegetable fat. Yes. How times have changed indeed. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, so yeah. It's all about cost. It is, in fact, unfortunately. Tip of the iceberg we've scratched, I think, today as well. But, Wendy, a fascinating show. Thanks, as always, for being with us, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Pippa. Yes, will do.